Just Jamie, ooh ah, uh, and Thomas too, ooh ah. Uh, just Jamie, she's the one you gotta listen to. Fucking genius. You're welcome. Hello everybody! Welcome back to Just James. It's your host James and my beautiful plant next to me, Thomas, my co-host. Uh, he is looking gorgeous for those of you that are brand new to my podcast. Welcome! It's just me and Thomas most weeks. Uh, we are here. Um, for those of you that have been listening to the podcast, I had two little plants uh, put by Thomas to welcome them to the house and show them the ropes. And they've now found their own little spots in my home. So I have a complete plant obsession. You have no idea. I'm absolutely obsessed with my plants. Um, so I'm always looking at new plants. And of course, Thomas is the, the head of the household and probably the most fun one in the home. So <laughs> welcome, you guys. Um, I am not an adult this week, probably because I haven't left my home in about three days. Um, I've been a little hermit. I just haven't wanted to go anywhere, to be honest. I think Friday, I got some odds and ends. I got a couple of bottles of wine. I say a couple of bottles of wine. I got more than a couple. Um, I got some wine. And I just, it's now Monday, 4.30 on a Monday afternoon, and I still haven't left my house since Friday. I've just, like, I've been a hermit. I haven't done any exercise. I've done absolutely nothing. I've just chilled at home. And then most of today, I've been watching the brand new season of Queer Eye on Netflix and being ugly crying in front of the TV, just being like, this is so amazing. So I literally, and I've all I've done this weekend is eat takeaway. I've, Deliveroo has been here. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised there's not just like a delivery man standing outside my door at this moment because I've got so much takeaway. I've sort of even forgotten the cooking section of my, of my quarantine. I've just been... Just had one of those weekends where I've just gone like slipped back into old ways, I think. So this week I'm going to be better. But uh last week, as you guys know, I made the decision not to record my podcast. Uh, you know, I'm really sad and sorry for everything that's going on in the States at the moment with with Black Lives Matter. I'm really grateful that something is finally being done and that the voice is being heard. And I just felt that as a white female from South Africa slash originally from Zimbabwe it wasn't my my week to talk I felt like I needed to step aside step down and give space to black creators and I must say that I've taken the week to really start listening to a lot of podcasts that are allowing listeners to learn and to listen and to sort of understand a bit more about what's going on and it's it's really sad that everything that's going on and I do I had a lovely um, listener comment on my Facebook page and say, you know, um, you come from South Africa, you should understand it with apartheid and all of that sort of stuff. But the honest truth is, is that I was really young. I was really, I was a really young girl. And I think I was very sheltered from a lot of it. Um, you know, I've, I've, I'm a white privilege, unfortunately. And I just, I don't think I understand enough about it to really have a voice right now. And I just don't feel that I'm the right person to, to voice. But I would really like to encourage any of my listeners that want to come and have a chat and maybe educate myself and my listeners, please come on here. I would truly appreciate to have a conversation and to be a bit more educated and understand a little bit more. You know, I've always said that there's three things I don't particularly ever want to talk about on my podcast, which is religion, politics, and sexual orientation. And it's not because I don't want to talk about it or I'm putting my head in the sand and I don't want to discuss it. It's because I'm not like I've said, educated enough. 
And I don't feel that in a week of understanding this problem that's been going on, that I'm now an expert and somebody that's going to be the right voice to listen to. So I'm going to put aside and let those podcasters uh, that truly have experienced it, that understand it, that are very well educated, please go and listen to those podcasts. If I come across any great ones for you, I'll start recommending them on my Instagram page, which is Just James Podcasts. Uh, and my Facebook page is Just James Podcast as well. Come find me. Um, you know, let's let's start a dialogue, let's start a conversation, and let's just start talking. I think it's so important that it doesn't get pushed aside anymore, which is really great. So for those of you guys doing a good job out there, congratulations. I'm so proud of each and every one of you. And, you know, I've got, I'm supporting, I'm here, I'm, I'm backing all of you. So I really hope that the change does come. So, but as I said, I'm rather going to talk about things that I know about and things that that I'm educated in right now. And as most of you know that you know I've got quite a, a, a strong following now, guys. I'm really really grateful to have all of you. Um, but my very first podcast, I discussed my breast surgery. I had um, I had a um, a breast lift that that sort of was exceptionally complicated in December. And I mentioned that I work within the medical industry. So I'm, I know a lot about medical things. And that, of course, is something I wanted to talk about this week. Um, because I work within the medical industry, I cannot ethically say this, you should do this, you should do that. You should see the surgeon, you should see that. Because at the end of the day, it's your body, it's your choice. And you need to make decisions that are right for you. And I also don't want to, from an ethical perspective, for something to go wrong. And for you to turn around and be like, well, James, you said I must do this. James, you said I'm a see the surgeon, and there's an opportunity where I could be sued. So the only thing I can try and do is help educate slightly and give you ideas and give you advice. And you need to run with that and make your own personal decisions. For me personally, I don't have an issue with, with plastic surgery. I will not age gracefully. I don't want gray hairs, which I don't want wrinkles on my face. It's just my personal choice. So I have Botox. I've never hidden that fact. I've even had a bit of filler done. Um, I, I tend to frown. I've got really strong uh, brow muscles. So I tend to frown quite a lot. Um, so I've actually had filler put between my, my eyes to stop the like deep frown line. I have a little bit of filler in my cheeks and the top bow of my lip I've had done before. And then I have Botox on my forehead, my crow's feet, my bunny lines, my ch and my chin. Um, and the, I go to a dermatologist to have it done. The person that I see, I feel is the best of the best in the industry because I used to sell fillers and facial threads. I've met hundreds of, of, um, you know, medical practitioners that do fillers and Botox and my, um, my dermatologist in particular, I find is absolutely exceptional. She's a really, really lovely lady. Um, and she started off removing Quite a large mole on my forehead she's about six well probably six seven years ago. oh geez i've lost track it's probably five oh i don't know years it's been years and um we struck up a really nice friendship as well as a professional you know as as a customer of hers so when i moved on to uh i sell uh, breast implants when i moved on to the breast implant industry i um, have always remained really great friends with her and sort of stuck uh, stuck with her as the only person i trust with my face so there's a very big difference to what I'm talking about today between somebody that you'd go to for a facial and a massage 
versus somebody that you'd go to for a medical need. And when I say medical, there could be uh, like a cystical acne or um, when your skin goes red, that rosea. I can't remember how you say it, rosea. Or if it's surgical, where you've got to like remove a benign growth, a mole, wart, um, you know, nodular melanoma. There's, there's things you can have removed. And then, of course, there's the cosmetic side, which is like the facial uh, sculpturing, which is your fillers and your Botox, where they actually sculpt your face with facial threads and things like that, help sort of remove. Um, it's prevention before you have to go for a facelift, pretty much with the facial threads. And then, of course, the Botox removes uh, movement of the muscles so that you sort of frown less. And, of course, uh, it's supposed to prevent wrinkles. And, of course, filler is almost like backing up dense in your face that it fixes pretty much um so when you're going to go and have a medical procedure done which is not sort of the, the, the if you're having like a facial you're going to go to a beautician and they're going to be in like a beauty salon when you're going to go and have a filler or botox done you need to go to a medical professional to have that done you can't you don't want to go to somebody that's done like a two-day course in the back of like a parking lot you know um and they've got no medical experience because there's so many nerves in your face that they can actually hit and I've personally know of a patient who had the 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 nurse put a needle in her um uh, um oh man in the, her right next to her, oh my brain today what's wrong with me I can't think of the right word next to her eye she put in she put a uh, needle in to sort of give her filler on her crow's on her crow's feet which is the little lines below your eyes and she hit a nerve that went into her eye and she actually injected. Filler. Uh, she actually injected Botox into the vein that goes into your eye, and the woman went blind immediately. Um, and I personally met that woman a week after it happened. And the, the lady that had done that procedure had never had any physical medical training. She had just done a two-day course, and she, did, she wasn't even aware that there was a nerve there. So when you're going to go and have something like this done, you go to a, you go to a medical professional. So, and I personally go to a dermatologist, which is a doctor that specializes in skin, hair, nails, um, mucous membranes, disorders and diseases that are all related to those sort of things. Um, but they can also address cosmetic issues to help with skin, hair and nails. So they'll help with like acne, they'll help with, um, you know, skin rejuvenation, there's, there's uh, vaginal rejuvenation, uh, low, you know, filling your earlobes if they were like, droopy there's so many different things that a dermatologist would do versus sort of a beautician that will do a facial so you can also I mean the in, within the UK I don't know how, how it works in other countries but in the UK a nurse can also do fillers and Botox as well as a dentist and then a just a medical doctor as long as you've got a doctor's degree you can do fillers and Botox um, but you're not supposed to be doing fillers and Botox if you don't have a medical background um, so it's really important that before you even go and see somebody that you check their credentials. Any doctor with a medical degree can start a dermatolo dermatological practice, to be honest. Um, but you have to check that they are certified. And I know like in the States, the American Board of Dermatologists, you can check if they're on the nursing board. There's ways in which you can check that they actually have a medical degree. And most places will have their certification on the wall when you come in. If there's no certification... I would ask for it, um, and you're entitled to. You're you're going to see something that's actually going to put something into your face, and quite honestly, rather know that you're going to see something that has a medical degree than doesn't. 
Um, and if you're specifically looking at anti-aging options such as like laser resurfacing, uh, wrinkle fillers, uh, peels, skin tightening and all of that sort of stuff, then I would definitely say go to a dermatologist because they specialize in that. And then the next thing like you should definitely do is check reviews. Um, I don't, I mean, I wouldn't buy anything on Amazon without checking a review. Why would you go and see a medical doctor that's going to literally deal with your face without even looking at a review on them? So, I mean, the, I when I'm looking at a review, there's, there's probably six main things that I look for. Number one is their office. You know, do people think that their office space is clean? Is it tidy? Is it is it well located as well? You know, if you're going into some like dodgy area where your car's going to get broken into, are you really going to stop in? No. So a uh, clean office is very important. Um, do they have a hostile bedside manner? Have people commented that they they provide a really nice service or not? Are there any hidden fees? Because sometimes they, you know, you'll go in for one thing and by the time you get the bill at the end, you have to pay it because now you've had the procedure. So hidden fees are really important. Um, unspecified treatments. If, in my opinion, if you're going to a breast surgeon and you're going to have, but you're going, but you've got a ingrown toenail, why would you go to a breast surgeon? You know, if you, you want to go to somebody that specializes in what you're going to see. If you go and see somebody that does 30 different things, where is their speciality? Where, where is their, um, where have they honed in on their special, on their special, are they maverick? You know, why would somebody do so many different procedures and not specialize in one? I just think it's a, for me, it's a really big red flag. If they, if you can literally go and your mom can go and your grandmother, your cousin, your aunt and your next door neighbor, and you can all have a treatment done for different things by the exact same person. For me, that's concerning. I think that you need somebody that's going to specialize in one area and focus in one area be a specialist in one area. I think that's really, really, really important. Uh, have you got any unsatisfied results? You know, obviously, you're never going to have every single patient that's happy. I'm sorry, it's in, no matter what, not every single person is going to be happy. But is there a majority of unhappy versus happy? That's a huge, huge red flag. And is it a sales-driven behavior? Are they just trying to sell you products? I'm going to talk about that shortly. But if there's a review being like, oh my God, they try to sell me everything but the kitchen sink, I don't want to go in. I don't want to see them. I don't want to go in. Um, it's not my type of thing. And once you've once you've determined all of that and you go in and you've had and you go in for your appointment, then then we start with um, some other things to consider. But before you even walk through the door, have a look at those things. It's so important. Um, and then for me, you know, when I go to a restaurant. And if the waiter is like literally trying to get you in, get you out and get you out the door again, I hate restaurants like that. When you just feel like a number, you feel pushed, you feel rushed. Every 30 seconds, they come and ask you if you're okay, can you get the bill? Do you want to go? Like, they're just trying to get you out the door. It's not my type of restaurant. I don't want to, I, I don't want a fast food chain. If I wanted that, I'd do the McDonald's drive through I'm coming into a restaurant to sit down, to have lunch with my friends and my family. I don't want to feel rushed. And that is the same feeling I feel about a dermatologist. If they are rushing you through an appointment, they're not the person for you. They need to take the time to go through your charts, to focus on your personal story, to ask you questions. You know, my beautiful dermatologist, I will walk in and be like, oh, tomorrow's my mom's birthday party. Six months down the line, as I walk in the door, she goes, how was your mom's birthday party? 
For me, that's so important. You're building a relationship with that person. If they remember you, they know things about you, they ask things about you. It's so important. Your dermatologist should take the time to explain procedures to you, to address what your concerns are, to actually answer your questions, go through the pros, go through the cons, go through everything that you that you want to talk about so that you feel educated in your decision before you do any treatment. Your treatment should be explained to your treatment plan. Not many treatments can be done sort of as a once-off. If you're very lucky, you can. But if not, you should understand what you're going to undergo before you do anything. And then don't feel rushed in your appointment. If they, if they don't value your time, pick up your handbag and walk the fuck out. I'm sorry, don't stay. It's just not worth it because you're, your time isn't being valued. You're literally just a number. You're just a patient. And that's there are so many good services out there that you're not going to get treated like that. And I wouldn't stand for it. Walk out. Absolutely walk out. And, you know, when I go to another example, when I go to a hairdresser and you're already spending a lot of money. I mean, some my hairdresser, unfortunately, is, is insanely expensive. I pay 260 plus pounds to see my hairdresser. He does an exceptional job. But not once has he ever pushed a shampoo on me, a conditioner on me, a fucking hairspray, nothing. I It's my choice if I want to purchase anything additional. But I'm not forced to push anything. When you've got that person that's trying to sell you the shampoo while they're washing your hair, trying to sell you the hairspray while they're hairspraying your hair, you just, you know, you're spending a lot of money on your hair. And then above that, you're not going to spend an extra 160 pounds on stuff. I don't want it. I don't, I don't want to feel that way. And I feel that, when you're going to see a dermatologist, this is not the home shopping television network. I'm sorry. A dermatologist shaft should not be aggressively pushing products on you, treatments on you, remedies on you, without addressing your personal concerns. My dermatologist, I'll give you an example. Um, about two, two and a half years ago, I had, a, you know, growing up in South Africa, I spent a lot of time in the sun as a little kid. And I had a bit of sunspots that, you know, I could see when I didn't have any makeup on and my skin wasn't like, it was blotchy, but it was definitely not like gorgeously smooth that it should be at my age. And I, I walked in and I said, I'm not, I'm, because I don't want to just refer one specific person, I'm not going to mention her name, but I told um, my dermatologist that I wanted a facial peel. And she took one look at me and said, James, you're just too young for it. You're not ready for it. But what I can suggest is that you use a nightly um, glycolic pad that you just you sort of do your toner, glycolic pad, and then you'll... Um, your moisturizing routine and that will help you know it slowly just take off the couple of layers of skin that you that you feel aren't great and um you know then then that should that should resolve the problem without you having an aggressive skin peel at my age so she showed me a product that she had in the clinic she went you can go with this otherwise she offered me an option on amazon which was a 6.99 little jar of of these little pads that lasted 90 days for the little pads she would you can just buy them on your own or you can spend £30 and get this one right here. I opted for the Amazon one and it was the best option in the world. And I wasn't pushed onto a product. So if you feel like your dermatologist is just trying to sell you stuff, then they're, not, they're more interested in your money than they are in you. My, my dermatologist is, is interested in my skincare routine and making sure that I'm happy with my skin rather than being like, you have to use blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, and obviously at the end of the day, it's they're making money from it i get that but that's not what they're meant to be helping you they're not meant to be pushing you that's that's my feelings um and you know like when i i use the 
um, for me personally, I use an Estee Lauder skincare routine, uh, which is a product range I really enjoy. I have for years, I've tried many things and I keep coming back to this and it works very well for me. But they do a, like a night, like a night oil that you sort of do at the end of your, of your skincare routine. And it's like 72 pounds for a tub of the stuff. It's so expensive. And I just, I can't like bring myself <laughs> to just drop the money for it. Um, but I always get the little samples of it. And the samples are fabulous because they sort of, you, you savor them and use them like until the next time I need another product. And then I go in and get a new one and I sort of live off these samples because I don't want to buy the big one. <laughs> but your dermatologist should, if they are trying to push you into a sample, into a product range and saying that you need this, you should be using this. They should be providing you with decent samples first. And that's, you know, if they want you to, instead of you going and spending 160 pounds on something that they want to sell you, why can't they just give you a little sample, take it home, try it for a week and go, you know what, she's fucking right, I want this. And you get it from there. But, and they need to be conscious that you, you all of us have a budget. We don't sort of have an unlimited amount of money to sort of spend a product. So if you can try a sample and try a little product then that's a really good sign because then they want you to actually be um, interested in the product rather than just pushing the product on you. So I think it's really important if they want you to try something, make sure they've got a generous sampling policy first. Um, and after hour care is so important. You should never feel like you're left in the dark. You should never ever feel like the minute you leave there, that's the end of it. They should leave, your dermatologist should leave you with the telephone number if you have an allergic reaction if you're unhappy with anything, if you suddenly get home and go, oh my word, I have a question, I need to ask this question, you should have a way to reach a dermatologist during the evenings or the weekends that you can ask these questions, especially if you've had a filler or Botox because they do tend to swell for a day or two afterwards and your skin can take time to come right from that. Things like a facial peel where your skin's going to like peel off for the next three days. If, you're, if you are having a really bad reaction to that, you need to be able to contact an all-hour service emergency aftercare line that you can ask questions. Some might just have an answering machine. That's fine. As long as you can relay your message, it's going to get listened to and they can get back to you within a certain amount of required time that they need to have determined with you. Then rather rather don't find yourself in a really bad situation where you're running to an emergency room because you're panicking, where you could simply just ask a question from a dermatologist where she can actually just assure you that everything's fine. So. It's really important that you have that aftercare as well. And things that you need to think about during your appointment and after you've left and what will determine you going back again is number one, did you feel heard? Did every single question you ask get answered? Go prepared with questions. Write it down. I write down questions. I research questions. I Google what questions should I ask when seeing a dermatologist? What questions should I ask when I'm wanting to have Botox done? you know, have a list of questions, know what you want to ask. And whether you understand the questions or not, because you've Googled them, again, ask, ask her, is it a relevant question? Is it a necessary question? Um, you know, rather go prepared than suddenly have a procedure done or leave feeling unsure and unanswered. And then you sort of don't, you, you won't proceed with something that's going to make you feel more confident. Um, do you feel that all of the information you gave was was answered you know do you think that you're encouraged to you know to be able were you able and encouraged to ask questions you know if somebody brushes you off and doesn't actually answer the questions or doesn't want to be asked questions don't go with them don't it's a massive red flag 
you know, did were you examined thoroughly? Were, were all the areas of your concern checked properly, looked at properly? Um, you know, if you if if you go, oh, I've got a rash under my arm, and the, the dermatologist doesn't even look after your arm, but tries to book you in the next day for a rash removal. I'm using a dumb example. What? Why? You know, if you're not examined properly, how do you know that 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 person's doing the right things? Um, did you understand the procedure properly? You know, did you understand what they were going to do in its fertility before you go ahead with it? Um, you know, did you, did the, did the person give you multiple options? There's not always just one answer to everything. And that is very true when it comes to medical care. There's not just one way to do it. And that comes down to like even putting Botox and fillers in. Sometimes you don't need both. Sometimes you don't need one or you, or you, or the other. Um, you know, what are the risks of each procedure? Um, you know, what is, the, what is the success rate? What is their policy if you're unhappy with the procedure? Ask all of these questions. And if you're not certain, don't have the procedure done while you're there. Rather come back, reschedule, have a think about it. Give yourself a cool off period to really think it through. And if best case scenario, get a second opinion. Go and see, go and see two dermatologists. Go and see two doctors, go and see two nurses, go and see two dentists. Doesn't matter what the case is. Rather get a second opinion and make sure that you're comfortable um, with, with, with the procedure before you go ahead with any treatment. Because and it, it's it's so important that you're that you're happy and you're confident with what you're doing. Um, I mean, there's other skin ep experts that are often more like accessible than dermatologists as well. Uh, especially for issues like mild acne and, um, you know, damaged or dry skin. You know, there are other options. I'm personally suggesting a dermatologist because I use a dermatologist. Um, you know, sometimes other people's approach would be more about maintenance and support. Um, and depending what the skin problem is, they may sort of suggest a better skincare routine, facials, peels, and non-invasive procedures it's not always about having a needle put in your face just i don't want you to feel like i'm ever going to suggest just doing that <laughs> that's my personal choice i chuck needles in my face done and dusted but i have very i'm very blessed with very good skin you know um my mom did a really good job so i haven't had acne i haven't had um you know really bad skin issues in my life i'm very lucky i've got thick voluptuous hair and really good skin so I just, I'm in my 30s now, and just prevention rather than cure with, with Botox. So please don't feel that I would ever push anybody into going for a medical procedure. I'm not. I'm just trying to educate on what I know about. So um, I hope that helps, guys. And if you do have any questions or queries and you do want some advice, ask me. DM me on my Instagram, Just James Podcast. It's just underscore James underscore podcast. Um, ask me the questions. If I don't know the answers, I will steer you in some direction some, from some medical professionals if I can, or at least steer you to some websites I could help you. Um, I'm always here. I'm trying to help and educate. So I hope this helps, guys, and wish me luck for my Botox tomorrow. I'm so excited. Nobody's going to be able to see me judging them anymore. I'm very excited. <laughs> but on a, on a different topic, I think one of the biggest things that's come out of isolation especially my friends that live in house shares is that some of them are just done with housemates and I've been screaming this for years I will not live with a housemate I'll live with a boy in a romantic situation but I will not 
live with another housemate. I won't even live with my brothers. I won't even live with my family. I adore my family, but I will not live with them. But a lot of my friends are sort of coming to me now. I've probably had about three friends in the last couple of weeks that have gone, James, I'm done. Fucking done. I'm moving out. I'm looking for a studio flat. I'm looking for a one-bedroom flat. Where do I start? And it's sort of created a really nice opportunity because I've I've also moved so much. I've moved probably about, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, probably like seven, eight times in the last five, six years. I've just like, you know, circumstances have changed. I've just been unhappy or, um, you know, I had housemates, hated it, moved into a place. Um, you know, the, my first little studio flat, I had no Wi-Fi. I had no TV. Um, and I was so lonely in there. It was just, it was just really quiet. I, you know, I couldn't afford, I couldn't afford the Wi-Fi. I couldn't afford the TV. Um, and my little flat was just, this, it was a, just a room with like a sink and a, and a hob in the corner and like a little shower. It was the most dingy little spot. And I'm sure I had a house, I, I'm sure I had a neighbor that used to like stare through my windows. It was really creepy. Um, and I moved out of there and moved in with a housemate. And that was a f fair and final last time, done and dusted. I couldn't stand his girlfriend. Um, and it sort of created a bit of tension. And I, I was probably a little bit bitchier about it than I should have been. And thinking back on it, I probably could have been a hell of a lot more mature than I was. But I even refused to say hello to her at some point. Um, and of course, you know, it just created tension between the two of us. And he went, look, this isn't working for me. you got to move the fuck out. Um, and I don't blame him, to be fair. You know, um... And ever since then, I've lived on my own. So I've, and my flat, like I, I said, for those of you that follow my podcast a lot, I, I'm in love with my home. I'm so happy in my home. So, you know, I think a lot of my friends are kind of looking for places like mine. So I've been looking at things to consider when you're looking to rent. Um, and I appreciate that this is going to, this is only going to be important to some people. Um, and it's not going to be important to everybody. Not everybody's looking for a flat right now. But I thought I'm going to put it on my podcast. And then, you know, what? when I do have that moment when somebody is looking to move or, you know, you have a friend looking to move, you can go, hey, listen to Just James, podcast episode number 17. She's got some advice on there for you. Have a listen to it. So that was my thinking behind this. So, and for those of you that are looking, good luck, guys. Moving is the shittest thing on this planet. It's the worst thing to do. I hate moving. And hopefully I won't have to move from my place for a really, really, really long time. Hopefully when I have babies, I'll have to move and that's the last time. But at this point, I'm really happy in my home. But there's a difference between a landlord and guys, I'm using the UK law behind this one. So I really hope, I'm sure every country is probably slightly different. I do apologize. I'm using what I know, which is the UK um, and I've got so many American followers. So, um, and you know, I've actually got quite a lot of European followers as well, which is great. Hi guys. So, um, but in the UK, this is what works. So there's the landlord is the person that owns the house that you, or the flats that you're going to move into. And then you get a letting agent that sort of manages it. So you can either rent directly through your landlord, which is generally cheaper because you're not paying the letting agency fees or they, the, the letting agent will put fees on to manage the home. Or you deal with the letting agent, which then looks after. they. The, the thing with the letting agent is their interest at heart is the relationship with the landlord. They don't actually give a fuck about you because you can move in and out. And at the end of the day, they want to keep the landlord happy because they want to keep that letting property. So a letting agent will always be at the, at the landlord's benefit, whereas the landlord will look after you because they want you to stay rather than them having to deal with finding a new tenant all the time. Hopefully you're a good tenant. 
Um, so, but there's no actual legal relationship between the tenant and the agent. There's just a contract, but the contract actually stands between you and the landlord. So the landlord will make final decisions. The landlord will make any sort of changes and adjustments, whereas the, the letting agent is just the middleman between the two. So, um, the, but most of the time, the landlord will pay the letting agent to sort of deal with it, so they don't have to deal with the legalities of it and all of that. But there's things that you have to consider before you do anything. Number one, you have to have a contract. Please don't move into a house without a contract. When I moved out of my last flat, the landlord had made the decision to rent to the new tenant privately, and I had initially dealt with a letting agent. Um, and he asked me for my contract to copy it to give to the new tenant. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. Just legally, I'm not going to do it. And I know for a fact that I think the tenant from that place moved in with no contract. And I'm telling you now that it's the shadiest thing you can ever do. To have a contract, it protects you. It protects you from an, a landlord walking in and kicking you out of your home. So, And also, you know, you make sure that things are looked after in that home via a contract. So contract's really, really important. If you don't have one, Google one and fucking copy it and make them sign it. Like, get a contract. Um, and always assure you that your deposit is in a deposit scheme. It's actually a law in the UK. It has to be within a deposit scheme. The landlord can't keep your deposit. Um, a little cheeky secret. I know for a fact my old landlord kept his deposit and it's not in a scheme. So you should get a confirmation that your, that your deposit is sitting in a scheme and it's safe in a scheme. It's really, really relevant. Um, and I know that, it, as I said, it is a law in the UK. They have to do that. So when you're looking to rent, it's not as cheap as you think it's going to be, guys. Unfortunately, there's a deposit that has to be put down. In the UK, it's a five-week deposit. They can't actually ask you for more than that, and it's one month's rent. So from the 1st of June within the UK, there's a new law that's passed that there's now they cannot charge you for property viewings, for reference checks, insurance policies, guarantor requests, renewal costs, professional cleaning, and gardening costs. So when you move out now, they cannot charge you the £120 to clean your flat anymore. And they can't, if you've been there a year and you have to renew your contract with them, they cannot charge you that fee anymore. Um, it's great news for tenants, to be honest. It's a really, really great thing because it does. It adds up and suddenly you've got a bill for this, a bill for that. And, you know, not only are you moving out and moving in and then you're paying all these additional costs as well. for refer I think reference fees are like £250 at one stage. And then you've got to like pay for this and pay for that. It was just, you ended up paying so much more because the landlords add on these prices. But I do think that a lot of, a lot of rents I'm seeing at the moment are slightly higher than they used to be. And I think it's so that the agencies can then like chuck in their little fees now, which is so unfair. But anyway, um, there's once you move in, so for those of you guys that have never lived on your own, you sort of have housemates and, and bills could be included uh, there's things that you have to consider now. There's bills you have to pay now. And when I first moved into my flat, I sort of saw like the, the rental fee. I think it was £800 for the little little studio flat. And I went, yay, I can afford that. And once I sort of moved in and realized that I had to pay gas and electric, you have to pay your council tax, you have to pay TV license, you have to pay phone line and Wi-Fi. If you've got a TV service like Sky or um, uh, what's the other one, Virgin Active or... Um, you know any of those that's an additional fee you and then you've got to do like content insurance and stuff like that once I put all those little fees on my place wasn't like 800 pounds anymore it was like one one something 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 you know you've got to consider that there's so many little fees that you've got to actually think about and you 
And do yourself a favor, go onto like compare websites, do like gas and electric comparisons, get like, they do these um, like guarantees that for the next year you'll pay like twenty one ninety nine electricity or, you know, your, your, uh, your phone bill, you know, you can get the Wi-Fi and stuff for like a set fee of like 25 pounds for a year or 18 months or something. Go and get the deals. Go like, don't just grab the first one because in your old house you use that. Go and see what everybody else is offering because I made that mistake where I just went with what I knew and I got royally screwed over and I ended up paying so much more. And then because I'd put myself onto the ones that I knew, I was tied in for a year. So um, go and do, take the time, do comparisons, check different networks, you know, check different, everybody's competing with each other and get the best deal you can possibly get. Um, it's really, really important. I personally, oh, and another thing is if you're moving in by yourself, your council tax in the UK, you get a 25% discount if you live by yourself. So don't forget to tell them that you're living by yourself because I didn't know that at first. And then suddenly when I found out and they were like, well, we're not going to back, you know, give you a discount for the last of a year. You know, you can do it from today. So it's really cool to know. So, um, but, but go and do the comparisons. It's so important. It's, it's annoying. I hate doing it. But I promise you now, I'm like the most frugal, like, like I save money where I can. Like, I'm really good at, like, finding bargains and stuff. And that's definitely a place that, that you need to. And then you've got to think about, like, your electric goods. So a lot of flats in the UK, you'll get a fridge, you'll get a freeze, uh, if, if space for a freezer, sometimes it's a little combo. Uh, they should provide you with an oven, a washing machine. And if you're lucky enough, a dishwasher. I've never lived in a flat with a dishwasher, but uh, most... In the most flats in the UK provide you with that, even if it's unfurnished, uh, that would still come like lock stock standard. So, um, and then you just you need to think like you need a kettle, a toaster, a microwave, and stuff like that. But if your flat doesn't come with those things, there isn't there's the fee for those electric goods because you know you've got to fork out all at once to be able to just survive. So at least you've got your oven and your you know at least you can do your gro um your groceries, so you can do your washing and stuff. But if not, you know, you'd, you'd have to consider like a laundromat and things like that. I looked at a flat with my little brother last week, actually, because he's looking to move at the moment. And the flat didn't come with a washing machine. And um, there was no washing machine and there was no cupboards. And then we sort of brought it out. And the, the, the agent, I don't know if she was a new agent or she just simply had never noticed. And she went, I'd never noticed it never a washing machine. And I just thought, how do you not, it's just a basic necessity in a flat in the UK these days that you have that included. Um, but of course it didn't. So uh, we promptly d declined the flat. I mean, it was, it was a bit of a dump in the first place, but, you know, we declined the flat anyway. And that was one of the main reasons why is because it just didn't have the basic necessities. And why would you now go and spend a thousand pounds on buying stuff in a rental flat? It's just crazy. Anyway. Once you go and view a little place, you've got to be a Sherlock Holmes. And what I mean, but you're not dressing up like him and like calling Watson and, you know, magnifying glasses. not what you're doing. But basically, you've got to check things out in the flat. Agencies will most likely rent stuff out in most places rent in summer because firstly, it's warmer. You don't see the cracks and the like problems in the flat because in winter in the UK in particular, it's cold. So mold grows in, in the winter months, you know, because you've got your heating on. We have indoor heating and like, you know, South Africa, we don't have indoor heating, but here you do. So everything gets warm, it gets toasty and the mold comes up. 
So you don't see that in the summer because in summer everything dries out and it's nice and lush and lovely. So check for molds, um, you know, check for double glazing on windows. In the UK, it's so important. I've lived in a place that didn't have double glazing and the minute it got cold, all that like condensation builds up on the windows. They never get warm. It's just your rooms always stay cold and they get like a damp feel on the inside in, in winter. Um because they just don't have the double glazing to actually hold that heat in. So double glazing is so important, and I've made that error, and that's why I find it so important. It's the first thing I look for is double glazed windows. Um, test, I always turn the shower on. I mean, agents think I'm insane, and I've, I have gotten myself pretty wet by doing it before by accident. But if you if you suddenly move in and you've got this trickle shower, you can't wash your hair. It's the most horrendous shower. If it doesn't get warm quickly... That's you're wasting water trying to get water warm. So test the water pressure, check for mold, and then check the water leaks and sinks. It's like it's one thing nobody ever does. And my flat now, when I moved in, um, had a water leak under my kitchen sink. And luckily, um, I have somebody in my life that's a plumber, and he he repaired it for me. But it wasn't it wasn't something that um I looked at before I moved in. So um, do all the windows open properly, you know? Are you suddenly stuck with a window in dead of summer that you can't even open a window and you're going to die of heat in there? Um, is there any damage, floor damage, carpet damage? You know, is, and is the landlord willing to replace carpets? Is the landlord willing to repaint for you? That's a negotiation you can have when you're moving in. So when I moved into my flat, the carpets were so manky. And manky means like really gross and, and ugly and they were just horrendous. So I struck up a deal and I said to the agent, look, if I move in, can I repaint the whole flat at my expense and ask the landlord to replace the carpets? It's fair then. We pretty much, you know, I'll redo everything on the walls and make that really nice, redo the skirting boards, which I did. And it was agreement that came up with me and the landlord, the landlord went absolutely fine. And my home looks brand spanking new. When I moved in, it was a bit of a dive. It's now not. It's now the most like lovely little home, freshly painted walls, brand new carpets. I've refurnished my whole place. I asked them if they would remove their gross furniture when I moved in, and they said yes. So have that conversation. It's a negotiation. Um, and my landlord just in in return, I couldn't have a break clause in my contract for a year. Fair enough. You know, she didn't want to go to all that effort, and three months down the line, I moved out. You know, and went oh, I don't want to live here anymore. Completely get that. So have a conversation. Oh, flush the loos. You know, sometimes it sounds ridiculous, but if the loo doesn't really flush nicely, then, you know, that's that's an error. You know, are there a lot of stains in the loo? Uh, you know, it, can that be, re, re, you know, repaired before you move in? You know, will you be, you know, stuck with the loo with horrendous stains in it? Um, you know, if there's a garden, who cares for it? You know, is, is there a lawnmower... Is there all those tools? Do you have to buy those tools? Uh, you know, who's going to care for that garden? And oh, is all the fencing in the back garden secure? Because if a fence falls down, suddenly you've got a bloody neighbor that's going to stare at you day in and day out. Um, you know, you don't, you sort of want your own privacy as well. You know, you want to make sure that there's, that everything in the garden is secure. I know this sounds like the dumbest thing, but do you know where the fire exit is? Um, you know, obviously the front door but what happens if there's an emergency? You know, do, can you get out in an emergency? 
um, you know, is there a fire blanket that's going to be installed in a rented home? It's it's small little like fire safety things that you have to consider. Uh, you know, is there a smoke alarm? Is there, if you've got gas, is there a gas alarm? Um, you know, is the area safe? You know, you've got to, your, your home, it's, this is going to be a home. You know, do all the locks work? I've had friends that moved into a place and I think, unfortunately, I think somebody was watching them move in. And, you know, the first day they literally left their home a day later to go to work. One of the back door locks wasn't very secure. Whoever had broken in must have been very much aware of that and literally broke in and stole everything of theirs. And because they'd only just moved in, it was a very simple robbery because everything was still boxed up. So, you know, are the locks secure? Are you in a safe area? Your safety is so important. So, you know, don't... I mean, I'm I'm not saying everybody's in a, in a position that they can move to like a lush area or like a fancy area, but you know, think about your health and your safety and your, you know, you're in an environment that's going to be safe for you. Um, is there a post box? Where's your post box? You know, <laughs> I've moved into a place and gone. Oh shit! There's no post box, and they've had to pay to have a post box put in because there wasn't one, and I couldn't get any mail. So, you know, post box, you know, most UK homes are just going to slip through the front door, which is really simple and easy. But if you don't, is there a post box or is there even a safe place to leave parcels? Most of us order stuff online these days and we're not always in a position like I am where I work from home that you can be home all day to receive a parcel. So, is you know, is there a safe place or a little box or somewhere that you can actually leave a parcel safely? Um... I always like, one of the questions I always ask is like, what are the neighbors like? Because you don't want shitty neighbors. Like, you don't want mean neighbors that are going to like have issues or fights or, you know, like people that are going to scream and shout. If you've got neighbors upstairs from you in, you know, in the new place, are they noisy? Um, I've, I've had friends that literally, you, you could barely have a conversation because there's people like, dup, 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 all the way upstairs. I, I've got a lady above me now with a brand new baby. Um, and I mean, bless her, when I moved in, you know, she, she didn't have the baby and now she does. And I, you know, I can't fault her for, for you know, reproducing and not having a small person. But if I'd, if I'd known, if I'd moved in and there was a brand new screaming baby right above me, would I have moved in? I'm not sure. Um, you know, she's very kindly moved, switched her bedroom and her, her lounge over in the flat so that at least it doesn't keep me up all night which is very lovely of her i mean she's just such a nice but again that's a nice neighbor um you know i've got an absolutely senile neighbor in my building who oh funny enough so the senile neighbor the one i've, I've have discussed it before and I'm very sadly i think she does have dementia um she lives on her own and we're sort of all keeping an eye on her but she's she's not she's a bit she's more aggressive than she needs to be with with the neighbors and um I live in a block of flats, which I've mentioned a few times before, but right outside our doors, everybody in the in the building has a little welcome mat at your door, even though the, the hallways are, are carpeted. But it's just a feature you're allowed, and it's sort of like your identity, and you can sort of be as, you know, so in, in Christmas, we put out Christmas doormats, and Easter, we put out a bunny, and, you know, like, so there's, you know, we put out floor mats, and um, this, this lady on the ground floor, number 17, has removed her... Uh, floor mat from outside her door and when when the body corporate meeting happened a couple of weeks ago somebody mentioned to her and went oh I'd see you've taken your mat away and she said oh well nobody's welcome at my home so I've taken the welcome mat away <laughs> 
So, you know, each to their own. But I think having good neighbors is important, you know. Um, things to think about if you're living by yourself. And I'm, I'm mainly aiming this podcast at young individuals that are looking. Sorry, not this podcast, this moving to new flats segment. To people that are moving out on their own for the very first time, whether it be with your partner or yourself, or just you on your own for your first time moving on your own, I'm trying to give you advice for things that you might not actually consider because prior to this, you've always had housemates or your family or, or things like that. And this is your first real big move. So I've got three friends, as I mentioned, that are all moving to, to on their own. So, you know, things, um, why, why I mention this in particular is that if you, because like for me, I don't have children. I don't have small people. I'm not used to like the screaming noise of children. So if I had a neighbor with screaming children all day long, I would really struggle to cope with it because I just don't have that in my world. Um, and it sounds selfish, it can, but if it's really noisy and you don't have kids, you're not used to that noise. It's, it's, it's like pierces through you. So if you've got screaming kids next door all the time, you need to consider that. If you're right by a school and there's going to be like kids day in and day out up and down your street, you've got to consider that. If you're on a really busy road, you've got to think about the traffic, all day and all night traffic. Um, if you buy a train, I buy a train, and I know some of you guys sometimes on my podcast will hear the train. I'm, I try and now close my windows to try and hide the train because I record my podcast at home. Um, but I'm really close to a train line. So, you know, I hear trains all the time. And my brother tried to stay over here. We, we had like a really late movie night and sort of looked up and it was like half past two in the morning. And I was like, oh, boy, he might, you know, just sleep here. And he, I made him a bit on the couch. And he got up at like five in the morning and actually took himself home. And he's like, I can't sleep in your house because the trains are so loud. But, of course, my bedroom's on the other side, so I don't really hear them. So there's things like that you've got to take into consideration, you know, especially if you're a light sleeper. Um, and then, of course, one of the things is check the, pro check the property guide in your area to, like, the price of flats as well. Because if you're being overcharged then just check some of the property price in the area. And if you can, try and make a lower offer. You know, try and see if you can maybe pay £50 less or £50 more, you know, to, to gain the property that you want, um, you know, in order to sort of secure secure your dream home. And then read the contract before you sign it. You know, make sure that there is a break clause. You're legally allowed to ask for a break clause in your contract because you could have buyer's remorse. You could suddenly move in. And like I said, realize that there's mold, realize that there's dripping, that there's loud, noisy neighbors, or circumstances change. You know, you could change jobs, you could find the love of your life, you could win the lotto. Things change and you need to get out of contracts. So if you're stuck without a break clause for a year, then it's a really long time in a place that maybe you're unhappy in. So always make sure you've got a break clause that you can sort of get out of the contract earlier if you really want to. And if you're lucky enough like me who doesn't want to move, I mean, I really don't want to break laws because I'm not going to go anywhere. But in my second year of living here, I'll certainly ask for one because you never know what circumstances could change. So, um, you know, if, you, if you're moving into a place that's furnished, make sure that the inventory matches what's actually in the house. I've had that where um, they mention a whole lot of stuff. I didn't really think much of it. Um, I just assumed that they knew. And then when I moved out, they questioned me about all the items. I went, well, they were never here. 
Um, but then it becomes my word against a contract. And I got held to re replenish those items that had never been there in the first place. So take photographs of everything when you move in. And I'm talking about everything. Walls, floors, ceiling, lights, inside cupboards, outside cupboards. I'm talking about every possible nook and cranny in that flat. Take a picture of and make sure that there is a date and timestamp on it. And file it. Send a copy of it to the agents if you want to. Put it in a file. Keep that because I'm telling you now you're going to need that one day. Some agents I've had issues with where we've actually gone to court over stuff. And I won because I'd taken those photographs and I proved that the, content, the, the quality of the products when I moved in. So they said to me that that wasn't the state that they, they left the flat in. I said, yes, it was. I refused to pay the, um, they wanted to hold my deposit back because of it. I had all the photographic proof that that place was exactly what, as it was with the date stamps and it saved me and I managed to get my money back. So it is really important that you make sure that don't just take their word for it. Don't just take their inventory, create your own. So it's so important to, to make sure that their photos and your photos match in every single area of that flat. And sometimes they'll just take bulk er pictures of little certain areas. So when you move out, they've neglected to take a photo of that corner that had a chip in it or whatever the case is. Do it anyway because it just protects you. So when you move out, they, they can go, well, we didn't have photographic proof of it. And you can go, well, I did. I did. So And make sure that all the stains, marks, and damages, everything is in the inventory. And um, that should save you. And then, of course, as soon as you're ready to move in, start looking for free stuff. You know, ask friends, family, go to Free Cycle, Facebook Marketplace, Gumtree, secondhand stores. You don't always have to buy everything like, like brand new. If you want to and you can afford to, go for it. But if you can't, then, you know, look, look, be, look, for, look for things in different places that you maybe wouldn't, wouldn't have before. Um, and plants, <laughs> you know me and plants. I love plants, especially Thomas the plant. So plants are always a great addition to your home. If you're not really good at keeping plants alive, just get fake ones. They just, you know, they're going to make your place look really pretty. If you can't afford artwork, you sort of, you know, artwork can be really expensive. Can't always find everything to your taste. Why not take your hand and try to make your own artwork? Um, I've actually suggested to a lovely friend of mine that maybe this week we should, or not this week, but, you know, shortly we should maybe have like a painting party and make some like pictures for our houses. Um, you know, and then it's more sentimental because you you always look back and go, oh, I remember that night with my girlfriends and we had a good laugh and a glass of wine and we made some really nice artworks for ourselves. Um, not everything has to be really expensive in your home, you know. Um, but, and then when you're, when you're looking to move, take your stress away from yourself. Start packing a little bit earlier. You know, don't do everything the day before like I do. I'm really bad at doing that. I'll suddenly, like, the evening before a move and be like, I should probably pack hey so I the last move I, t I started a week before and I must say it took the pressure off me and then I made the choice to get a hiring company to move but bear in mind I moved within the building so I moved from flat 46 to my flat now and um so it was a pretty simple move and I, I got a hiring company to literally do it for me it was really simple uh and at that stage I didn't have the amount of furniture that I that I own now but I would always say sort of back, make sure that your stuff's boxed, it's protected. I put things in like Ikea, you know, those big blue Ikea bags. I chucked everything in there thinking I was so, so smart. Um, and a whole lot of stuff got damaged. 
So, and I was only just moving the building, let alone like to another house, you know, to another place or country or, you know, anywhere. So I would always really recommend, um, you know, packing things nicely, putting it away nicely because I'm the worst person at doing it and should probably take my own advice. Um, and then of course, give yourself time to unpack. Don't, I literally want to do everything in a day and unpack in a day and just get it done and dusted. But for me as well, is I always um, clean thoroughly. As soon as I move in, I'll go like, as I'm unpacking, I'll clean the room out properly because it just gets rid of everybody else's dirt and, you know, other people's DNA. And then, then it becomes my home and then I unpack. Um, so for me, that's really important. And I sort of like clean every cupboard out again and then fill it and then, you know, clean every shelf out and then fill it. And then I just sort of, it just nests for me so nicely. Um, but, and then, oh, and one last thing you should just do as soon as you move in as well, is just take a photo of all of your meters. Uh, so that when you sort of start with your gas and electric companies and all of that, you'll have those meter readings. So, and everything, then it's, then you know that they can't charge you for, for days of stuff before that, before you moved in. Um, and if sort of a bill comes for the time between the previous tenant and yourself, then it's the landlord's responsibility to pay for that. And once you've moved in, the last bit of advice I can have for you is have a glass of wine, have your girlfriends or boyfriends over, and just welcome to your home, guys. And I hope I hope those of you guys that are moving at the moment, um, that everything goes okay. I've you know, I've got so many friends that I think we've you know, we're all in our thirties now and we've just sort of gone, you know what, I'm just I'm just done with it. I just don't want to do it anymore. And I get it, you know, I'm sort of at that age now where, where I want marriage and kids, you know, I don't want to fucking deal with the housemaid and this one's problems and that one's, I just, I, I can't do the drama myself. Um, I'm just too old for it. But anyway, anyway, guys, I know this is a couple of weeks ago now, so I think it's fallen to the wayside, but I asked if a tomato is a fruit, if, if tomato is a fruit, then is ketchup a smoothie? And I didn't really get much response on it actually. I don't I don't know if maybe anybody had much of a of an answer. So I'm just gonna leave it at that. Um and this week's conundrum is going to be what has hands but cannot clap. So what has hands but cannot clap? So if you want to send your answers to me on Instagram, DM me and I will announce the winners next week. And uh, hopefully we'll find a new one. But I you know, for the last sort of like three months, I've been saying I don't have any services to review because I haven't been anywhere. The only place I've been is a grocery store back. So I haven't had anybody to review. But I had a friend that uh, deserved a, a bouquet of roses. And I sort of went online. And I I must say, I generally use Bloom and Wild. And the reason why I use them is because their bouquets of flowers fit through the post box. So no matter what gift you buy your friends, you, they can you know, nobody has to be home to, to receive and sort of sign for the parcel. And they come all like beautifully protected in, in like a really long box that they get these beautiful flowers through the post box. So if you are looking for a nice um, florist that will send a parcel, that's a really good one. But I happened to see, I was looking on Bloomer Wild and I saw an advert weirdly came up on Bloomer Wild. I thought it was quite cheeky for e-florist. And I've never used them before. They did a beautiful bouquet of roses at a really reasonable price. And I thought, you know what? Let me actually try them. I've never used them before. So I purchased this bouquet of flowers for my for my gorgeous friend. They were literally dispatched for the very next day. I, I think it was like 8 o'clock at night when I ordered them. It was a Friday evening as well. I was sort of on the couch um, 
And I had a conversation with my friend. I thought, oh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send her some flowers the next day. Literally there the next day. And I must say, the service was impeccable. I was so impressed. They sent me so many emails, like, keeping me completely informed. But one of the things I really appreciate is they sent me an email to forward onto the recipient with instructions on how to better care for the flowers to make them last longer. And I thought that was just such a personal touch to add on and be like, hey, we care about what you've ordered from us. Here's some caring, you know, here's something that will help keep the roses fresher for longer. And I thought that was really, really good. They constantly kept me up to date with where the order was. They gave me a tracking so that I could follow the parcel directly. I could even see how many parcels the driver was delivering before my parcel. It was such great service. So if you guys are looking for a really good um, floral sort of delivery company, I would try eFlorist. And I'm definitely going to give them a really good shout out this week for a great product. The flowers were beautiful. And the service was so good. So well done, guys. I really, I really appreciate it. And my friend truly loved the gift. So it, it was it was a win-win from, from all sides. Um, and then I have been following a brand new school principal on TikTok. That is so, she's so funny. Her name is, I'm going to spell it. It's D-R-Z-E-I-S-N-E-R. Dr. Zinier. D-R-Z-E-I-S-N-E-R. D-R-Z-E-I-S-N-E-R. And she is so funny. And she basically gives um, stories about things that have happened to her as a school principal. And one of the stories in particular that sort of caught my attention was she had this person come in that was, uh, like a zookeeper and it brought a kangaroo um, and this kangaroo got got loose and ran through the school building and she went bounding after this after the kids that were sort of nearby and he went bounding after this kangaroo and they managed to sort of catch the kangaroo before any, any school child got got hurt or kicked or you know, anything could have gone wrong and um, one of the school kids ran up to him and said oh my word ma'am did you see that big bunny she went yes tell your mom it's a big bunny and it was just so funny, and it was such a lovely story. But, you know, especially with all the moms at the moment that are having to homeschool, it's really fascinating to hear stories from, like, a school principal and things that she's actually t said, had to say in a school. Um, and, you know, one of the things in particular she said is, get your kangaroo out of my school. So it's a really great page if you guys are looking for really something, um, <laughs> for, like, a different little page to follow for the week. But I'm going to leave you guys now. And last but not least, I'm going to say look for one positive thought in your day today. And then that day, that way, every single day is going to be blessed for you because every day you're going to have a blessing. I really hope that you guys have a great week. I can't wait to see you next week. I'm glad that I'm back. I missed you guys this week. I hope you all dream of puppies. Goodbye.